The best thing that ever happened to me was me being suspended. Of course it sucked. It was ridiculous. Looking back, the shit I was exposed to, I travelled the world. Travelling, we know, is a cheat code in life. Realised how insignificant I was, my story was, my life was, my persona was. It opened my mind up. What you think you will become. If I perceive today as a fucking mad day, it'll be a mad day. Or if it's a shit day because something's happened, it will be a shit day. All of us in the room could have a different perspective of today just based on our own thoughts. It's your thoughts that will dictate the reality. Who I was a year ago, two years ago is such a different person. I know that I'm putting myself in a situation or an environment where it's forcing rapid growth and development. And if you open your mind to it, you're only going one way. Everything that I'm doing now, I think I was supposed to go through all that shit. If I didn't, I wouldn't be able to relate. I wouldn't be able to do what I did now. So although at the time it seems like, of course, I'm playing footy. I want the fairy tale. I want the mad career, this and that. But sitting where I am now and my ability to A, lead and tell this story, but B, the way I can interact with people and relate, is supposed to happen. Just quickly before we get started, guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, can I please ask that you consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing whatever platform you've been listening. It really helps the podcast grow. All right, another episode, the man, the myth, the legend, Chandler's <laughs> in the house. So for people who don't know who you are, um, former NRL player for multiple clubs, Sydney Roosters, Penrith Panthers, Canberra Raiders, and of course, most recently, the Melbourne Storm. We'll touch on your footy journey just because obviously that's like the foundations for you and it built a lot of the habits that have allowed you to go on and be successful in other things you do. Um, but one of the main things, obviously I knew, I've known who you are. I follow footy. Like I've had a bunch of the boys that are in like the foot sports media on the podcast. So I've known who you are. But only going back, I do research and really diving into who you are as a person and, and how you've become how, you, how the person you are today, the man who sits in front of me. Something that struck me as super clear, the big theme in your life is fucking overcoming adversity and then building up to like well beyond that point. So there's so much time I want to spend talking to you about the ups and downs of your life and how each time, and this is coming from you, this is the, this is the words coming from your mouth, each time you'd hit a new lower slow, they were always followed by the highest high. So we're going to go into that. I'm fucking keen. I have so many things to, to chat to you about, but thanks for coming in, man. Really Thank appreciate you, it. brother. I appreciate it. And yes, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. But as you said, I say this all the time, yeah. only because it's based off of experience. And if I can share, I'm commonly asked, like, how do you get through things? How do you stay positive? And I don't think it takes any skill or talent. I just think it's relative of or a reflection of my experiences and literally it's like when you go through something enough times you ha- you're forced to believe it and every down or every failure or adversity has been followed by the best moments. So now when I'm faced with these things, what choice do I have but to sit there and go, well, yeah, you know, if I can get through this, I know what's going to happen. Another thing, yeah, bro, I feel like I think I think similar to you in that way and that's something I heard you speak about which I really like. It's like because exactly what you just said, when you're faced with adversity or a problem or something goes wrong, what options do you have? Roll over and give up or you you decide, you know, you accept the facts and you move on from that. But it's like, even if that is your way of coping, a coping mechanism when a, when, a, mm. when a hard time comes, why wouldn't you cope by thinking about looking for the positive in the message? So we'll well, go- I think about that yeah. all the time, bro, and I reflect on that because I'm always, one thing I'm very grateful for is my mindset. And again, I don't say that to be arrogant or say that I'm better than anyone. It's just, I'm very grateful. I have the awareness to be very grateful for the way I think. And one of those things, like you just said, it's literally a 50, 50 choice. Which one are you going to choose? Yeah, of course it sucks at the time and it's an emotional, it's a shit feeling, but ultimately which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to be defeated, depressed, let it consume you, tell that story to everyone so they can tell you're okay. Or are you going to figure out a way, an optimistic, positive story that allows you to go, okay, I get it. 
it, I accept it and move on to the next thing. If you're faced with those two choices, which one are you going to choose? It's a pretty easy choice. And ultimately you either think like that or you don't. Like your thoughts will dictate your reality. So it's, I know it seems simple and when you're in it, it's a little bit harder, but literally to me, it's that simple. And when it's that simple and I understand it, I believe it, I accept it and I'm living through it. And it's exactly the life is happening for me, not to me. Mm. We've all heard that quote, but it's like when you, you know, have the first experience that you fully get that your life changes forever. How long or how early into your life, maybe you weren't conscious of that phrase yet, but when do you think you adopted that way of thinking? How early on in your life? Yeah, it's hard to pinpoint like when I became aware of the decisions I was making or the thoughts that I had. But if you look back as a reflection of everything that I've been through, I was speaking about this to someone the other day and I use this all the time because it just stands out for me. Like I I have – I uh, don't know my dad, single mom. Like we come from housing commission, a little bit rough. And to me, I still had everything. My mom made sure I had everything. So it's not like a story of tragedy and trauma, you know what I mean? But I do have an appreciation for people who go through that. But for me, I was just very independent. I grew up in Woolloomooloo, not when it was how it is now. You know, the King's Cross. I would catch a bus, train and a bus to school. I was seven years old. That's year one. Can you imagine a kid doing that now? They don't even play on the street. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that independence that like smarts and awareness where I just fended for myself, I looked after myself, you can see that through a pattern of that combined with other things that were going on in my life, you are just forced to figure shit out and come up with, like you said, a way, a coping mechanism. And I reflect on this all the time. Are my coping mechanisms positive, negative? Like what other effect are they having? But ultimately, I think if it is positive and it's with good intentions and it makes sense to me, then fuck. That's the thing as well. And I've only recently started thinking about this. Like I've been well aware of my coping mechanisms, which which is just our body and our brain's way of, you know, protecting ourselves and feeling good throughout the day. But it's that point that you just mentioned, the awareness that, hey, fuck, which comes way later in life, probably after doing these behaviors for several years that may like, wow, you know, 80%, 90% of the coping mechanisms are good and they serve you. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's that 10% that are limiting you. Mm. Have you started to go through the journey? Because I know you're very introspective and reflective uh, and you're unconscious of the way you travel through life. Have you been looking at, you know, the way you grew up and and, and there was a lot of benefits to growing up like that, but were you or have you ever been, um, because you were so fiercely independent, protected Mm. yourself, did everything for yourself at such a young age, did you find as you got older, moved through life, maybe had some more serious relationships that it was harder for you to, to open up and really let people in? Yeah, what you're saying is perfect. Not so much the opening up and let people in. I would say that wasn't as much of an issue, but look at it now in my work life. Like what you're saying, I reflect all the time and I'm constantly trying to think how I can improve myself. The reason, the how I do that is by always leaning into opportunities. For example, if I see I've done some great things with other people that's you know, in the psychology space, in the hypnotherapy space, whatever, all these different modalities, I'm leaning into those. I welcome those. We know that other people aren't accepting, aren't looking towards those because it's confronting. There's fear around. I don't want to face that, but I want to. I Yeah, it's nice to be told I'm doing well, but I want to be told what shit I can improve. So constantly putting myself in those situations is where I gain awareness. And I've done that a lot of times to the point where on what you're talking about, independence, I just have – And this is a very subconscious thing that I could only gain awareness of if I was told and if I leaned into it. But I'm very conscious of I put shit on my own back. Like I'm straight away and I love leadership. I love culture, but I'd do it myself, you know, and that's detrimental for the others around me for when I'm working in a team environment because that doesn't serve other people. I don't invest as much in other people. I just want to put it on my back. Now I'm in franchising and scaling everyone. 
are st- scaling everything, it's it, I find challenges for myself because that's all I know. That's the only way I know. It's how I've done my whole life. Yeah. So now to have to try and it's not that I don't want to work with other people, but try and work with other people and, you know, invest time, get them to make mistakes and, you know, build others up around me so we can scale. I find that challenging. So that's a good reflection of the independence piece that you noted, which, you know, me sitting down with someone talking about things, them giving me advice and me going, Oh, what, you know, you know what, you're right. Having that internal discussion and then having enough, having enough of an open mind to actually take things on board and then try and action them in your life. How do you then, yeah, because that's the point then to, to then have the awareness is one thing, but then go and action them. You, you identified one thing, which is really cool. I also forgot half the intro. Obviously you did play footy, but <laughs> you, you, you've moved into business. You've done a lot of cool things in the NFT and crypto space with, you know, collectibles, with fashion. You got, a, you got your brand um, vintage mode, which we'll chat about your kind of little bit of a foray into the world, my world of like e-com and marketing um, but you've also ha- have had a lifelong passion and, and connection with fitness. You had the experience of working in a studio and I'm not, did you run your own F45? Yes. You did that for a while. And now, like, as you said, being involved more in the operational, the bigger picture of the business where you're onboarding, coaching other people to do that. It's a very different skill set from you. Mm. Just fucking, I'm just going to have all the energy. I'll get everyone on my back and I'll, I'll have this amazing, you know, create this amazing culture of performance and let people come in and feel good. But then where did you realize along the journey of being more involved in building out and scaling up the business side of things that, holy shit, my skills and what I've been doing doesn't necessarily correlate to what I now need to be doing day to day. And it's like, it's a thing I'm reflecting on on the fly. Like it's, that's only just happening, you know, because we're in this startup phase where you actually do just put shit on your back. Yeah, so it's true. like, all right, I'll get it done. But slowly but surely when you're trying to scale and, you know, overnight we've gone from seven studios to 20 studios. So boom, there's a, there's a need and there's an action. So to do all these things, now I'm working with someone say in my employed lane, which is performance, focusing on the program and the coaching and to try and work with someone else when you have a certain way, a certain skill set, and a certain work ethic the reality is, as you as you would know, and I, I think it's fair to say this, high performers and high achievers in their own space, they do have a different mindset. They're willing to make sacrifices, discipline, work harder, and oftentimes they got skin in the game, let's be honest. Yeah. So that's another point of difference that I have to some other people that I work with. That's a bit of a conflict that I find. So how do you motivate people to give a shit like you do but maybe don't have skin in the game? And we're in a world, you know, e-commerce is a good reflection of that we're in a world where you can start a business like that. You can go out and do your own thing. So I suppose when you have high standards for yourself and your values are that you take pride in what you do, and then you're asking essentially employees around you to care as much, I'm trying to crack that code. Um, I think I lead well. I think I'm very passionate and hopefully motivating to those around me, but to work with those people and get them to do tasks and hand things over, I'm, t- I'm trying to learn. So what type of leader do you think you want to be? Uh, well, if I look at the leaders around me, I, first of all, I want to lead with my actions. I want to be someone who you look to it. Like I should never be asking someone to do something that I haven't done before. You know, I think about this all the time and just look at a studio level. When you first go in as an owner, franchisee or a coach, you got to earn respect. You know what I mean? So a lot of the franchisees in our space, just learning and reflecting on the fly, they come in and they don't have experience in the fitness industry. They don't come from team sports. They haven't even run a business before. So it's like, hey, what you need to do first and foremost, you need to build rapport and relationships. This is a customer service business and you need to earn respect from your coaches. Like work hard in front of them. Mm-hmm. 
do more hours. Like ask them if they're going okay. Like earn respect first. So I think first and foremost, I want to be respected as someone who works hard but is also supportive. And then I think in terms of leadership, like the other part to it is, well, it can't just all be about me and my actions. So as a leader, I really want to be someone who builds other people up. Like ultimately I would love someone to be, you know, and it's not, it's not impossible by any means, but I want people to be better than me. I don't want to be the best in the room. I want you to be better than me. Whatever I can give you, I also want you to experience what I've experienced. That's why I love group training because you get all, all sorts of people in there, right? Introverted, extroverted, big, small, like all different shapes of sizes and ages and general population they've never been exposed to Melbourne storm. Mm -hmm. So like my passion and want is like, whether it's the way I would coach them or the way I would talk to them, why can't I try and push my mindset onto them? They've never been exposed to it. It's not that they're any less, but they don't know. They don't have the awareness. So I never get frustrated with people anymore either, because if you don't have the awareness or have been exposed to it, how can I judge you? You know what I mean? So I'm trying to think of everyone like, how can you change their mindset? We know that a lot of people live through a negative story and they have a lot of poor habits which have a negative effect on their life. Well, why can't they come into this environment and become a product of the environment of their locker, the culture, the way they train, their approach to health and fitness, their mentality to work to other people? Like that's the effect I want to have. And I think about all the things I've been exposed to. Melbourne Storm's like an insane reflection of that. But like – I've been exposed to it now. My mission is to share all my experiences, everything that I've learned, and open that up and make it accessible for everyone. And that's going to shift their mindset and their health, both mentally and physically. Now, you're clearly an extremely, you know, motivational, inspirational person. You're high energy. You're a people person. I see that. My question to you is, is it something that I, you know, struggled with in terms of a bit of an ego check when I came into business? Is that... I was always a pretty high achiever throughout school. I was captains of my sport teams. And I thought because I was a you know good captain in sport that that necessarily meant I'd be a good leader in business. What's your experience with the nuance between being a leader or, or, you know, on the pitch when you're playing sport versus in a, in a setting where you're talking to employees, a team, franchisees? Was there a slight nuance or, or shift that you realized and recognized that, hey, I need to make some adjustments because I can't just copy and paste here? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's an easy question, Just, but it just came to me with what you said. Literally, when you're in a team of sports, everyone's like you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, now there's levels. There's not – when you're in a team at like, say, I'll use the Melbourne Storm as another example. Not everyone's Cameron Smith and Billy Slater, but everyone's got the same mindset. They're, they're athletes. When you go into a business, everyone ain't athletes. You sure. know what I mean? So you can try and adopt the same principles, the same culture, but you know there's going to be so much variation in people's personality, in what they want, what they need. So it's wild. You go into a sport and, yes, there is some variations in how people learn, how people need to be talked to, but you're an athlete. You're there. You're working your ass off. You're competitive. you got all these skills. So that's the difference between trying to create culture and leadership here yeah. and there for sure. And then even just the communication style, because if you're a leader 100%. or even a captain in sport, like, obviously Craig Bellamy would communicate differently in the sheds to each player, I imagine. Right. But when you're a leader on the field, you're not thinking about, it's all about fucking, this is where we are. This is what we got to do. So you're communicating in a way that's very familiar to you. Yeah, you ain't Change is so different. <laughs> yeah. And I had to learn really quickly. Oh shit. Not everyone thinks and acts and is motivated by the same way as me. And going through that little ego check in that journey was a big, was a big eye opener um, for me as a leader. Now we will get into the, the, everything you learned from the Melbourne Storm system shortly. Cause I think, 
Like it's just, it seems like it leveled up everything you already kind of yeah. thought on the path you're on. But I want to go back to um, a little bit earlier on where you grew up, your, your mother used to, you know, help out with sports. She'd coach some of your teams. She'd catch public transport with you all mm. around Sydney, trains, buses, whatever, to take it to your games. Talk to me about the impact that your mother had on you in those early years. And, and now as a more mature adult with all the reflection you've gone through, what does she mean to you and what does her sacrifices mean to you today? Yeah, it's funny. Like it's come full circle because we, I don't come from, um, I had a chat last week when I was in Perth with a group of boys, Moldy um, lads, and they're very family driven. And it, I, I almost felt awkward for a minute because I was, I had to explain, you know, my fam, family dynamics is not like that. There's four or five people max. We're not like super lovey dovey. Yep. Um, so it, I haven't had that close family relationship, but in some respects I have, you know, like I'm, um, everything to my mum. Like, and now I think back, it's only come with maturity that I look back and be like, holy shit. And I can sit there and go, well, this is what I do. This is who I am. And you can, you have to attribute it to the actions and the things that I was exposed to by my mum and how she built me up to be. So only now do I really have a lot of gratitude for that. And she's, she's a crazy woman, but you know, she's a beautiful woman who's put everyone else first. Even to this day, she's um, working in the mental health space, working with athletes, um, nonstop and just sacrifices everything she has for that. She just has no filter. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's who I'm from. I know, I know what it, I know, <laughs> I know what it can be like, but yeah, it's something that you more in terms of the gratitude piece comes later on. Right? Yeah, it definitely you think does. about it and you think, fuck, I think it's maturity though. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was, as I started to be a little bit more mature and we all know about gratitude, right? And you know, fuck the, the development of myself, which I think is pretty cool as well. Like who I was a year ago, two years ago, is such a different person. And I don't hate that person. It's just like, fuck, okay, yeah. it's wild to see. And I also am grateful for that because I know that I'm putting myself in a situation or an environment where it's forcing rapid growth and development. Mm -hmm. And if you open your mind to it, fuck, you're only going one way and you're going to be progressing. So I'm lucky to be in that position even because a lot of people, how many people are in an environment where they're constantly pushed mm -hmm. and forced to learn and grow and reflect on themselves? Not a lot of people, bro. Hundred percent, and and you're so right on the gratitude piece. It's something for I feel like we all have a lot of work to do with that. Yes, we all fucking understand what gratitude means, and and to be grateful, but to truly live the feeling is is I feel like something that takes a lot more work. Now, obviously, we spoke about it at the start. You've gone through your fair share of adversity. I'm sure you didn't have the gratitude for them at the time when they no. were happening. Let's go back to the first one. You mentioned there's been there's been a few big instances in your life where you hit like a one of the biggest lows followed by one of the biggest highs which is a really important message for people listening that, you know, might be going through that low right now. And I think, fuck, why do I keep pushing myself through it? But that first ACL you did, you're about 17 years mm -hmm. old as a kid coming through the system. Talk to me about that experience, the low, and then how it actually turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to you. All right, guys, just quickly, I've got some news. I've spent close to the past 18 months building the ultimate program that takes you through the complete process. And I mean the complete process of launching and scaling your very own e-commerce brand from zero all the way up to a million dollars plus per year. And now with this program, what you're going to get access to is 15 modules with over 100 training videos and 23 hours of in-depth content, taking you through everything you need to know to build a successful e-com brand. And this is the important part. This isn't just stuff that you can look up on YouTube. This is stuff I've taken from real lessons and experiences building Happy Skin Co. from zero 
all the way up to an eight-figure per year brand. You're going to get access to loads of custom tools, templates, and calculators that I've used to build and run Happy Skin Co. There's going to be one-on-one mentoring with myself and other expert coaches. And there's also weekly group Q&A calls with myself to make sure you're feeling completely supported throughout the entire process. And now what I've learned from consulting to everyone from people starting their very first e-commerce brand all the way up to brands already doing seven figures plus per year is that there's a process and a framework to follow if you want to be successful with e-com. Now, if this is something you're interested in, hit the link below and go to join.viralbrandbuilder.com. All the information's there and you can book a call directly with me. Otherwise, send me a DM and we can chat there. Anyway, let's get back to the pod. Yeah, and that's that's where the roller coaster really starts, I would say. And just on, just on that thing, like when we talk about the practices that I do, I see them as really simple actions and thoughts. But one thing, like if something happens to me, going back to this like coping mechanism and story, and you've got a choice, which coping mechanism are you going to choose? Like if something happens and we'll probably rattle off a few of them, whether it happens at the moment or it's in hindsight and reflection, I'm looking at that going, fuck, that sucked, but bah, that's a mad story. Mm. They're always mad <laughs> yeah. stories. So I look back at yeah. them with no ill feelings and I just think that's a great story. So, like, again, that's another little thing that in my head that allows me to accept it, move forward, and then puts a positive optimistic spin on it. So it's that simple, just finding these little strategies. Has 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 the time between the negative event and the positive perspective and the gratitude shortened as you've gotten older yeah, massively, and gone through this more? Massively shortened. Yeah, yeah. but. Again, that's if I say I'm aware of one thing, it's aware of that. Like I just, I don't know when specifically I made that choice, but like if something happened, yes, we can talk about some other things that are common, like accepting things for what they are, like it is what it is. And all these things are good, but unless, and I I reflect on this because I do a lot of educating now and I'm trying to think how do people learn the best, bro? Trying to teach people about altitude is not fucking easy. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like- if you understand it and you have, you know, the why you will remember it, you will accept it, you will practice it. So there's a gap between a statement like, you know, accepting, oh, it is what it is. And that, that like premise. But if you really understand that quote or that strategy and you understand why you will live through it, you will believe it, you will, you will buy into it. So I think that's another important thing when we're looking at these different, like different stuff as coping mechanisms or strategies, you understand it and you know why it hits different and you will live through it. You will practice it. So that's really important. That self-belief for you, to me, I call it, it's like self-belief is, is one way to, to, to phrase it. But to me, it's more of a knowing. That's mm. how I, like, I, well, you just know you know, you're meant to do X, Y, Z, you know who you are as a person, you know what you're meant to achieve. You strike me as a person that has that as well. You just have a lot of trust in in yourself and the process and that things will take you where you need to be. Where do you think that comes from for, for you? Yeah, and I reflect on that as well. Like, I don't know where, like there's no reason for me to believe in myself the way I do. But again, going back to like, no one else has to know what I'm thinking. Yeah. No one else has to believe it. But I'm fucked if I don't believe it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, I might as well, whatever I'm starting, whatever I'm doing, I've already started with a handicap if I don't truly believe it. And there's been times where I've done things. I reflect on like footy the most. I used to only think about the worst case scenario, the negative things like how detrimental must that have been, which is crazy. But for me to get there or get to the team or like I'm knowing I'm getting there, I'm I'm believing that when no one else does. So don't know where it comes from, but. And and the thing I love that you say is, well, it only needs to make sense to you. Yeah. Like people don't realize that are living a life that, you know, they feel like they've fucking just woken up and they're not really happy. It's like, you write the story inside. Yes. Your head. You know, it does. some people say I've known since I was a kid or from birth, whatever, fuck, but 
you can choose to write your own story any day or, yeah. you need, or you're the only person that really needs to believe. And if you do. And it's not fake yeah. it till you make it. It's no, like, no, no. I don't, I don't combine those two no. things. It's more so like going back to, and I'm so on this cause I understand it so well recently, but literally what you think you will become, what you think about a certain situation, this podcast, this room, like today, like however I perceive it, will be what it is. If I perceive today as a fucking mad day, it'll be a mad day. Or if it's a shit day because something's happened, it will be a shit day. But you, all of us in the room, could have a different perspective of today just based on our own thoughts. Like that's a wild concept. We're all doing the same thing, but each of us could have a different perception of what's going on right now. hundred percent. Like you, and I'm not saying, I'm not talking about manifesting. I'm saying anything that happens it's your thoughts that will di- dictate the reality. How you perceive something is good or bad, whatever it is. So it's like, again, just understand that and just chip away at trying to hack everything you think about, everything you tell someone, and just try and hack that and be very mindful of your thoughts. I feel like that's so powerful and, and easy. A hundred percent. And that's the, the the crazy thing about your mind is regardless if we're on the tools doing backbreaking laboring all day, every day, week in, week out, you're playing footy, we're doing podcasts, we're running businesses. No matter what it is, we all have good weeks and bad weeks. And yes. we could perceive this week as a shit week doing the things we're doing. And someone who's on the tools or doing a job that most people would look at thinking, fuck, that's really tough work. Could be mm. having the best week ever. Yeah. It's all perspective. Yeah. That's and comparison so, is, yeah. I've never, I've, I've never, like comparison is a, a, an easy one, but I've, I just never, it's never landed for me. Like we can all say, you know, say we're eating something. We know there's people who don't have food, sure. but it's for some reason, cause it's not relevant to us. That's not, that's not relevant to me right now. So I can't, I can't, I can think about it for a second, but it's like watching a motivating YouTube video. It's gone. Yep. You know what I mean? It gets me going for five seconds and then I, you forget about the video. So that, that is a bit more problematic, but just accepting, just accept it for what it is. You know what I mean? I feel like accepting and then it goes back to that choice. Like you just said, I'm working, I'm doing this. I had a week, I had like if you had the choice of to choose two thoughts, which one are you going to choose? It's a fucking simple choice. It's 50-50. Like, and that 100% it's a simple choice. And once you get into the pattern of doing it, it's you don't think about it and it's Awareness. easy. And, you, and you're framed to, to look for the positives in situations. For someone listening that maybe still has some of that old school programming where they're looking out for threats and, and the thinking of the worst case scenario, like you did with footy. Like, for example, you're, you're playing, you're not using positive mental imagery with now. If you were with everything you know now, I'm sure you'd be looking at, visualizations oh, completely differently, but how do people, because you've made that change of, you know, f- over many years, I'm sure, you know, thinking about, fuck, I don't want to knock on the ball from the kickoff or, you know, drop the first bomb or anything like that to someone who looks for the positives. What's that process look like? And do you have any advice to anyone to slowly kind of rewire that, that framing for how they look at those things? Yes. And I think it's important to note that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a guru or a life coach. I just been through shit. So I know shit. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm sitting here telling people what to do. I'm saying, this is what I've experienced. and This is what I've done. So straight away, when you consume information from some people, I feel like gaining trust and credibility from someone that's not a motivational speaker, but they're just sharing their experiences and thoughts is important. But acceptance is the key one, bro. So I've always been very realistic. So if I have an interaction with someone, what can I think of? Even if it's in business, 
and it's like someone does something to you that's a little bit slow, a little bit, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, fuck, well, smart business move. Can't, <laughs> can't be angry at the person, you know what I mean? I feel like acceptance is key. Most people, when something happens, skip that part and then you can't skip that part. So you've got to accept the situation, the thing for what it is. Once you accept, you gain control and there's a little bit of freedom with that. So once you've gained acceptance, then you can go through the emotions. You can go through the reaction and the response. You have to. I'm not saying don't do that, but then how long are you going to sit there? Because now you've got, you got a choice to make. So accepting what's happened because as soon as it's happened, it's done. You can't change it. You're right here and whatever you think is going to happen from it hasn't happened yet. So you're right here in this space. I accept it. It's happened. Now what the fuck are you going to do about it? you got a simple choice. Like you can now live through this story and I'll be mindful of this. Go around and tell everyone, you want to tell 10, 20 people what happened to you and have the same conversation. What is that? Is that like now I'm living through this persona and I've got a story to tell and people are listening? You got to, you just got to gain awareness of, holy shit, I'm doing that. That's fucked yeah. up. I'm going around telling this story so people are like patting me on the back or telling me I'm okay. Accept what happened for what it is. I'm not saying don't. Don't experience the emotions and the feelings, but just accept it. And then we just know you've got a choice. You've got a choice to make. And which one are you going to fucking make? 50-50 choice. Find some sort of optimistic spin on it. And oftentimes I just go like, you know, anything could happen. I'm like, fuck, what if that happened? I could lose money and be like, well, you know, if I didn't do that, I really wouldn't have got that money. And then that makes sense in my head. I'm out. I'm good. But so like just figure that out, make the choice and then move forward. And with moving forward, create an action plan. You know, if it was the industry uh, injury, I'm, I'm creating a plan as soon as possible. All right, well, this how long is this going to take me? Six and a half months? Beautiful. All right, what am I going to do about it? What do I need to do tomorrow? So I need to get the swelling, all these things. So then break it down into goals, something where you can start to get a little bit, some wins, and it shifts your focus onto the next thing. But acceptance and then choice. Like we're sitting here saying we don't discredit anyone's problems or things that they've been through. Everyone's relevant. If it, Whatever it means to you is important to you. It might not be a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to you. So I'm not discrediting anyone's problems, but ultimately accept that it's happened and then make a choice to move forward. It's literally that simple. And that does not take away any of the problems, the feelings or emotions, and it doesn't make anyone's situation any bigger or smaller. It's the same model. It's the same strategy with everyone. Yeah, for sure. And something that's helped me a lot, I was someone like I have really high standards for myself if I was to make a mistake or, or, or face with the decision for two, three options and I picked the wrong one, I would not beat myself up over it, but I, I wouldn't really feel good. I, I'd be left with a negative feeling. But as soon as I realized, hey, that's the way I am, that's the way I'm wired, I can't, well, there's probably work I could do to, to remove that. But what really helped me is if I do make a mistake or something gets fucked up, look for the lesson mm. in it. Yes. And as long as I can find the lesson in it, Sweet. If, if it cost me 10 grand, if it cost me an hour, whatever it, the cost was, it's worth it if I can find the lesson. Mm. That, that works so much for me. I took it to the point and this is like, it only has to make sense to you. If I was to do something where there's fucking no logical lesson in it, if I was to jump up, had my laptop, I slipped out of my hands and dropped on the floor. I've just smashed my laptop. You know, there's, there's two, three grand, like no lesson in it. Okay. I'm going to feel annoyed at myself about that mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. What can I do to make myself feel better? I'll be like, okay, I did that. I cost myself X. I'm going to go and take these three actions, whether it be health or the business, how I'm going to earn X, Y, Z money, which I wouldn't have thought of, which I wouldn't have forced myself to think of if I didn't make the mistake. So always tying, and then this might not be what psychologists tell you, but if you make a mistake, find a lesson in it or find a good in it. 
and it makes it so much easier. Mm. Yeah, and to your point, disclaimer, I don't know if what I'm saying is yeah, true or good. But it makes Try sense. It, you know, yeah, it yeah. makes sense to me. Even like that process you just went through, worst case scenario is you don't have something to re- refer it to. Mm-hmm. You don't have uh, some positive spin or a story. Just go back to like the very lowest common denominator and be like, am I going to sit here and be pissed off about it or am I going to fucking get yeah, over it? Yeah. Like, what well, one are you going to choose? 100%. Like, why would I want to sit there and be angry and frustrated and upset? Like, I'll cop it straight away because that's the initial response, but I'm not I'm not going to choose to sit there and feel that way. It's just not what I'm going to do. This real like student mentality, this focus on learning and growing and developing, did this come like earlier in your career coming through the systems and your time away from league? At Melbourne Storm, like more recently when you've, you know, completely left behind footy and focused on business, where was the real point where this took over and, and it changed the way you, you you view the world? Oh, I think I was aware of some of these things that I did and habits um, along the way, um, but on a very micro level, like only a couple of things. But, yeah, the exposure to what I'm doing now it's so rapid, the development and the learning, like a month feels like a year and being exposed to so many different situations and scenarios, um, it's just like it's it's mental. So I feel like now this last couple of years being exposed to this environment has really pushed me f- much further, but I've been open to it. Again, we talk about acceptance. Like I want to know more about myself, about the world, about what's on offer. I'm on that journey of self-discovery, and all it takes along the way is to lean into uncomfortable situations be open to learning and feedback and criticism and constantly trying to improve myself. So if you combine those three things and again, none of those things, we're not sitting here saying like, I don't have this million dollar secret. It's like, these are very simple actions. And when we sit here and talk about it, it may seem normal for us, but you can start to understand as we're doing it. Well, okay. Maybe this isn't normal for everyone. It's just, they just don't have the awareness. Has, have they had these conversations? Have they been through experiences that have forced them to think like this? Maybe not. So like I want, my want is for people to go through things like that and experience things like that. It's not, it's not something that should be reserved for people who are on a certain journey or going through a certain situation in life. This can be applied to everything. It's the most rewarding journey that you'll ever go on. And maybe I feel like guys, bit of a generalization might go on this journey less or, or, or come across it later in life. But I, I really do think that there's a movement towards, you know, uh, the mainstream in terms of guys, particularly like mm. you're, you're still attached to the footy world. Like tell me what you've seen in terms of the guys that are kind of athletes on the fringes around those circles. Are they more thinking about this sort of stuff, that self growth, the reflection, is it becoming more normalized? No, they don't have exposure to it. Mm. Like in football's old school, bro. There's no, there's no mentors. There's no one um, offering this advice. So like, it's unfortunate. And that bubble, don't get me wrong. You're not supposed to have all these other interests and and passions, right? It's all encompassing. You're trying to be the best footy player possible. So I get that. But it is unfortunate that they're not exposed because of that to all these different things. Mm. In reality, bro, we spoke about this before. The best thing that ever happened to me was me being suspended. Of course it sucked. It was ridiculous. But like looking back, the shit I was exposed to, I traveled the world. Traveling we know is a cheat code in life. For sure. You know what I mean? So I traveled the world, met all these people, realized how insignificant I was, my story was, my life was, my persona was, and just met all these, had, was exposed to all these different perspectives, all these different people. And it just, it opened my mind up. And that was, that was life changing for me. 
these people, they get to go away. Maybe some of them go away in the off season for six weeks um, in November and October, but that's it. Like, unfortunately, you just don't get the exposure. I think I said the same thing when we had him on. It's like, (laughs) what's hard for footy players to realise once you travel a bit, no one knows what the fuck rugby league is anyway. Like outside of Australia, like obviously – it's in it's in the UK, but such a small sport. Like compared to Union in New Zealand, it's so small. Like it's a great reflection because one of the biggest things um, in terms of we talk about ego that I let go of, and I say this all the time: ego is not a negative connotation. Oh, for sure, yeah. Ego is just the internal battle between who we are, who we're perceived to be, and who we want to and be. That programming that exactly is, you know, making us do these things that we don't realize. Exactly right. So as a football player, you have a persona. You're the footy player, right? And Shandor Earl, as much as I know my heart, my values, who I am, ultimately it, there's a period of my life where I'm a footy player. That's all I am. That's all I know. That's all I express. So everything will be framed around that. What I say, how I think, what I think other people are thinking about me, like everything revolves around that. So that was also me breaking away from that persona and realizing, fuck, I'm not that. Um, this is who I really am. And football is something I do. It's not who I am. You know, that was a massive turning point for me, which gave, I, I, th- I suppose, was the trigger for all of this awareness about myself. I don't, I don't think I've ever done being disrespectful or not being too true to who I am as a person. But let's be honest, like there will be decisions I've made. There'll be things that I've said and actions that I've taken that are reflective of that ego-driven persona of who Shandor is. And for a long time, I think I was living through that rather than living true to who I am now, which is what I do now, which I think is a little bit more obvious. And was it that forced time away from the game where you started realising and separated yourself from Shandor, the footy player? Yes, that was definitely the big, like, the big turning point. Um, that that, But then even I went back into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I wasn't the same, but I still went back into it and then leaving it again and going through the journey I'm on now. But even now, like, I'll be honest, I want to talk about ego. You think I don't get my ego tickled at Airlocker? Please. I'm on the fucking TVs. I get to go to all these studios and meet all these new people. I'm still, my ego's still getting, you know, it's. Uh, it's, Is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's. As as long as you're aware of it, mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's not a bad thing. Yeah. That could be a roller coaster of that could yeah. be a shit show if I wasn't aware of it. That could it's been, have yeah, the same true. effect. I could, you know, it could be completely consuming of me and my thoughts and decisions. Now it's not, and I understand the platform that I have to make an impact, to make change. But if you look at the definition as we know it of ego, like it, it also ticks a lot of boxes. And I'm very mindful that. I went from, if you just look at it, because I love doing this, I went from football, then I went overseas. Now, overseas was a cool journey, but even there, bro, like I opened a gym, I opened a cafe. I was the cool guy on that street too. And then I went back into footy and now I'm doing this. So it's like you have to, I just sit there and ask myself, and this is just me being open and reflective, like is there a pattern there? Am I constantly going into these things where, you know, you just it's just cool to think about. And I'd look at it not to judge myself. I'm yeah. just like, well, it's good to think about. Or, or you're just an ambitious person that realised that I want to make life as fun as possible. Yes. Why would you not? You know what I mean? And, and as long as you're aware of that, like, and with a lot of things I do, and I know you're the same, like there's, there's a selfish element to everything because we want to enjoy our lives, want to do what we do. But as long as you're aware of that yeah. and like there is a greater good to what you're doing and you're not just here to rip people off and serve yourself, then I think ego can also be 
a powerful tool to good, but the awareness piece mm. is, is the trick to not letting it cloud everything and get out of hand. And when I spoke about what I just spoke about, it's like I'm not – it's not that I – I know I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'm mindful of like what, what gratification am I seeking, True. What just those little things. And it's like just being aware of those situations you put yourself into and it's more a personal thing, but you're like just, just being aware of those certain situations just cool. But ultimately, bro, like fuck, I'm – you get to that point where it's very cliche and it's sometimes weird to say, but like, I don't want to go to sleep and I want to wake up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's where, that's where it's at for me. And it's a fucking wild feeling. With, with those motivations to, you know, scratch those itches that you have, how much of those truly, cause I've been thinking about similar things recently. How much of those, you know, what do you, what you're seeking do you think is still tied back to something from your childhood? where you became this sort of person that was driven by these sorts of things to usually fulfill some lack in a moment in your life that you didn't have. Mm. Yeah. And who, and I've done some exploring into that childhood trauma, which we all understand until I did something, we all understood it. But until you dive into it, you really understand like, Oh wow. So the, the craziest thing I did was the hypnotherapy, which was yeah. literally you go through an intense visualization for like 10 to 15 minutes. You've had a prior one hour discussion to discuss some sort of reaction or habit in your life, whether I get frustrated at X or I do this so you've, you've uncovered that. You've had a really good conversation. Then you go into this visualization, five, four, three, two, one. Tell me the last time you felt like this. Boom. And you just, you're in, you go back to this time where I think I was nine years old and four years old. You're there. You're in the room. It's fucking wild. And you just go through this process of looking at the situation. Then you're talking to your younger self. You are your younger self. You're put yourself in the shoes of the other person that's involved in the situation. And not only do you have sympathy for everything and the situation, you don't leave it. And you, again, this goes back to our early point. You're not cured. You just now have the awareness to understand why you react this way, why you have this habit and why you do this in your day to day life. So when it does happen, you can go, Oh, I know why this is happening. And you're in control. So that's, that's what I see as the outcome to all of these different things. It's not a cure. It's not a magic pill. All it does is gives you awareness and understanding of who you are, why you do something. And then you have, because of that, you have the ability to control it. Without that, you're not in control. If you don't understand why you do something, it controls you. Yeah. So that was a very profound experience and something I wish I, you know, I should lean into and do more of. The awareness is the first step to it being a choice, right? Yes. Because, yeah, like you said, if, if, if you're not aware of it, then how on earth do you stand any chance at, at controlling it? Now, you mentioned something before, obviously that suspension you got was one of the best things that ever happened to you. Obviously, I kind of vaguely remember seeing it on the news. As I said, I was a kid. I watched a lot of footy. Um, <laughs> thinking back, like they made it a fucking way bigger deal than, yeah, it, was than it was, bro. The thing that, that strikes me from, from that phase of your life that would have burned me the most. I want to hear your thoughts on like how, like the hardest part team to me, it's like to be caught all these things, dragged through the media, like mm. happens multiple times a year with the rugby league media. It is what it is. You were the victim at that time, but not being able to tell your side of the story for so long. Mm. What was it like that? Cause like you said, you know, yeah. your integrity, what you did, why you did it and not being able to tell that for so long. Did that eat you up? Did you for a little while? Or how Yeah. I would that? love to talk to someone about this exact topic. I think about this all the time. I I think there's only one way I can get I take personally and get offended these days and if it's if you like question my character or who I am and there's that happens a lot externally and it's still like it shouldn't no one's thoughts or opinions should get to me but that still kind of does I'd love to uncover why mm. but to your point yeah fuck yeah bro like it was it was wild all the shit that was going on and like it was just such a crazy situation 
But yeah, I, if there's one thing that frustrates you out of all that stuff, it's people questioning who you are as a person or your character and your values. And like the situation was what it was. And the great reflection to your point is, you know, once I did that channel nine interview, however many months later, it humanized everything. It was like, Oh wow, this is the real story. And not even the real story, but this is a completely different perspective to what we've been reading in the media, which, you know, the media is fucking out of control. So that was, that was a real turning point. Um, and my approach to it was, look, I, I, this is what happened, but I did, I wasn't pointing fingers. I took a very honest, um, and I took responsibility for my role in whatever it was. Um, and I think that goes a long way, especially I find Australia has some nuances to the way they do things. You know, we, we know that we've got that tall poppy syndrome. If you spend some time in America, for example, you know, you go over there, which we're venturing over there on the journey. Everyone gets around here. Everyone's yeah. got that entrepreneurial hustle here. It is a little bit like you if you're doing something. Out. They're like your tarts, nails, yeah. rings, whatever. It's fucking- And if you're doing something here, it's like, you know, the, the first reaction isn't to celebrate or pump you up. It is to like bring you down a little bit, unfortunately. But one thing that um, we do accept strongly as Australians is is honesty, is, is real, is authentic. So, um, I think that's the, that's in hindsight, that's the approach that I took. Um, and that was ultimately something that was well received and understood. And then that sort of set me up for the years to come and, and my return back. You're still so young then looking back. Oh, so, baby, young, right? so young. Yeah. 20, 22, 23. So you went from there and I know you spent some time living in Thailand after that. You mentioned you opened gyms, cafes. What was that experience like? And what do you think that chapter of your life gave you? It was cool, man. Like I, um, I was always entrepreneurial, always interested in business while I was playing footy, never got the opportunity to do too much at that age, but I was always very interested and understood even like leveraging public profile and marketing and all that stuff. So I was very aware of it, but then yeah, pretty much went over to Thailand, um, and had this idea for a concept and opened the cafe. I had like 15 grand to my name after everything that happened. Luckily, it doesn't cost much to open a business yeah. in Thailand. So got that started and it just suited me to a T. I didn't know shit about um, cafes or anything like that, but I figured it out, learnt on the fly. I know healthy food and I know customer service. And looking back, pretty much everything I've done has just been based on customer service. Like, yeah, I've had a decent idea, but it's always just been around my interactions with people. That's really the nuts and bolts of it. And even now, like I'm doing the same thing. It's just I need to work at slightly higher levels, franchising systems, processes, all that stuff. So that's the extension to the customer service part. What do you think would, if you had to nail it down to one lesson, what do you think was the biggest lesson from your few years that you spent living in Thailand? Oh, you know, I also traveled the world and stuff as well. But I think the biggest lessons are the two that we mentioned, realizing the insignificance of the bubble and the persona that you've built around yourself, but also um, understanding that, for example, leaving rugby league, I am, rugby league is not who I am. It's what I do. So I feel like those things were very freeing and a, a very uh, important perspective for me to move forward with. Yeah. And talk to me about your experience spending two days in a Thai jail. Yeah. <laughs> that was wild. I'll tell it. Okay, no, At like, this point, you're just like, shit, man. Yeah. Like, the- I don't, I'm trying to rattle off. Like, I'm sure there's lots of stories that I haven't told yet, but I'm, at one point I'll be open to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was just crazy. Like, it was a ridiculous situation. And then to go through all of that in the jails and then be deported, which sounds way more hectic, luckily, than it was. Like, it hasn't affected anything in my life or travel, but... Mate, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> the whole thing. And I, like, I literally at the time, I'm like, this fucking sucks. But, bro, this is going to be a mad story. Yeah, yeah. That's and it, it was goes a mad back story. to what you were saying as well. It's just another story. You know what I mean? We're here to fucking build as many cool stories, have as many cool experiences as we can. Now, 
you mentioned you went back to footy, even after doing that whole, I'm separating your ego from footy. I'm not just an athlete, blah, blah, blah. What motivated you to get back into footy? And when did you make that decision? Was it when you cop the suspension, like I'm definitely going yeah. back or, or when did you make the decision to start getting ready again? Yeah, I was always going back. I never in my wildest dreams thought it would be four years. I was like, yeah, there's just was- no way. Yeah, and obviously the circumstances around the trafficking stuff is bullshit and it's yeah. it definitely doesn't annoy me now, but at the, for a long time I was like, that was a hard pill to swallow. I was just like, I couldn't get over it. The accusations are nothing like the story. Ridiculous. So nothing I thought, like and it. I thought with everything around it and going on and other people involved, I was like one year max. And I was happy to cop two years. I was like, two years is ridiculous, but understandable. Four years. I was like, this is crazy. Like that's a long time. So, but I still was like, I want to end it on my own terms. Yes. And for a while there, I don't think I thought about it too much. Like for a couple of years, I consumed myself in essentially a new life, but that was always what I was going to do. And then when the time came, I started to put the pieces um, in play and look at, well, how's this going to look? And then there's a couple of things that happened, but it just I just had my mind, like I was fixated on going back to the Melbourne Storm. Everyone who plays rugby league is so curious and wants to know, like, what do they do? Like, it's just ridiculous. You know, people go there and look what happens. So I was like, if there's somewhere where you can see, like, how good you are, give it one last crack, that was it. And then um, ended up reaching out to Craig, wrote a letter, um, which was a very cool and special moment. And then, you know, got got an opportunity there, which is pretty crazy. What about you do you think – led to, 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 to Craig giving you a shot? Well, I know that he hadn't like now knowing what I know, I know that he had an opinion of me as a footy player previously. You know, I, I played a lot of games against the storm. Um, they, they are a club that gives opportunities. They are looking for, I suppose, diamonds in the rough or unique situations where they're a, not spending a heap of money, but B they can invest in, in people that are good people that have potential football wise. So I probably ticked those boxes, but, you know, I wrote him a letter telling him everything I've been through, giving him the candid um, review and then just saying like, this is who I am and this is what I believe I can contribute to the club. And then that story alone is wild. Like three days later, he called me. So I wrote him the letter. I was like, I don't want to, he, he doesn't have an email. <laughs> and uh, my manager, I didn't want him to contact him. So three days later, he called me, we went to a cafe and I was expecting nothing like, oh, we'll just meet up and talk. So we had a conversation, he sort of sussed me out, seen how keen I was, healthy and fit. And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, I've spoken to the powers that be, um, we've got a contract for you. And I was like, fucking mind blown. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just um, just someone showing faith in you like that. It was insane. And then that whole year, so that was at the start of the year, but nothing could be formal. You know, that meeting was a little bit hush-hush. And then, so I was running the F45. I coached every class in there, you know, six classes a day and trained once or twice a day most days. Um, just extremely motivated, obviously, to get a crack. Um, and the club helped me so much. I came back. Like when I say the only thing I regret about the whole situation, I've never had that mindset and been in that good a shape in my life. Like I come back to the storm taking the piss. And anyway, anyone would be happy to say those first few weeks of preseason, I was fucking on another level. And then to tear my ACL was just cruel. But I look back now and I've had this conversation with a few people and even on podcasts, I just – I don't think footy was my, was my journey. I don't think like, let's just, just look at it. Look at, just look at where you are now in life and be like, okay, if you're at all happy with the situation or it's got, you know, I've got a hell of a runway ahead of me. Let's be honest. If that didn't happen, I would not be here right now. Like that's the truth. So I can't look back at it and think, fuck, poor me now. Like, but at the time, bro, 
What a joke. You wouldn't wish that upon your worst enemy. Like how the fuck does that happen after what, four years? What was harder to take? It might be an obvious question to me. It's not what was harder to take, the suspension or that? That. Oh, no, they're so different. So different. But like <laughs> The suspension went for so long. Yeah. Like remember in preseason I'm sitting there with the boys and we're watching TV. This is two years after I um, had the peptides when I was injured. Mm. And it's like, boom, darkest day in Australian sport. And Stephen Dank comes out. I'm like, fuck, what is this? Oh, yeah. Holy shit, I know that guy. And I'm sitting there like, oh, that's crazy (laughs) to the boys. I know him. So, like, and then it went on all season, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That went on all season. So you're like, that can't be what I did. So I'm trying to distance myself. Then it becomes more and more obvious. But that whole season, playing, training, like, that was was way harder. So, like, the, the knee thing sucked. And it still sucks, but that was it. Was still kind of, I don't know. They, they both, gave you another contract, right? You, yeah. So there. again, uh, credit to like you want to talk about people often ask like, what is it? What's special about him? First and foremost, he's got an aura. So like he's built this aura of fifteen. Like he's the goat. So whenever he says something, you're on. But he he does build relationships in his own unique way. So f- for what happened the first time with me, and then. I went to the doctor's office. Obviously, I was crying when they told me, and he called me and he gave me the phone. He's like, mate, this must be, you know, hardest thing ever for you. I've, I'm really I'm really sorry. I don't really know what to say. But he said, look, if you want to keep, if you want to do this again, you'll have a contract so you don't have to worry. Um, You just focus on your recovery. Like, to hear that is fucking wild. The best thing you could have heard in Best thing I could have heard in that moment, like yeah. literally. And, you know, it still took me a couple of days. I was bouncing through emotions, but then it was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the best fucking rehab anyone's ever had. And I, the way I looked at it was, and I did, had a mad rehab, six and a half months returned in the ACL. Oh, ACL, that's yeah, crazy. It is. And But every day I would come in, and whether I felt shit or not, I'd come in with energy, smile on my face, rip into training. And am I just the way I looked at it was, if I, I've got to, got to add something. Like yeah. I felt, at first I felt regret, regret and shame because I was like, I've let these people down. I've just taken a spot. And now, fucking, I can't do anything. I'm useless. So I was like, how can I contribute? And I figured everyone's looking over at me. And it's not just the ACL. ACL suck. You're talking about five years plus the ACL and everything I've been through. If everyone looks over and I'm smiling, ripping into training and got energy, fuck, no one's got an opportunity to be feeling down. You know, they don't. What right do you have? And I I feel like that's what the effect it would have had. So that was my mindset. I was like, this is how I can impact the team, the group with with that. And then you mentioned – Prior, before you came back, you wanted to go out on your own terms. Yes. Talk to me about you came back, you played some games. Did you know you were going to retire at the end of that season? You did. Talk, talk me through Not that. Not really. I kind of like, um, I feel like it was the opportunity that was the deciding factor. I was looking at, you know, whether it was staying with the Storm, going to another club, doing all these things, um, trying to explore all options. But I've got a group of mates who are in the US, Aussie boys. Um, they, they got on the F45 train as well. And um, they were, we were like, let's, let's do some, like it's time. We'd, we'd all essentially that you could say that's essentially working mm-hmm. for someone. Like we are like, let's, we've all got a unique skill set. Um, let's do something ourselves. And we started to look at, you know, we're, oh, health and fitness space was where we excelled. So we were looking at different things. And one of the boys actually up the road, there was a little altitude training room. So they started training there and we started talking about, it. I was like, yeah, I've done it before. I just did it in my rehab, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the other lads, Evan, came over seas back home to Central Coast where he lives, and he's like, boys, you wouldn't believe it. There's an altitude gym just opened up in Newcastle. This is like just opened. I'm like, fuck, no way. So you got to go check it out. 
He went there, kicked it off with Roman, who's, you know, my best mate and founder, very passionate man. They started talking. And it's like, you got to meet Shandor. We started talking. And, um, you know, this is quite a beautiful story that I haven't shared before. But, you know, our intention, and anyone in business will understand, our intention was to get as much information as we could about the altitude and all this and do it ourselves. Like, so it's a pretty wild concept when you say, and I've had a very emotional moment with all everyone in the room and, and told them that story. But um, uh, we went to dinner one night and after we spoke for like three, four hours and when Rome has a few red wines, he gets even more passionate. But <laughs> um, I was just like, fuck, I'm, I'm in. Let's let's do this together. And um, that's when the journey started. And the goal was just to take this concept straight to America where the boys had a footprint. COVID happened. Um, and then that pretty much put a halt to me going and then I got involved in the company in Australia um, so that's sort of my journey in, but yeah, that's, that's how it started with my mates. And then now that's, that's who we're, we're still doing the American journey. It's yeah. just been a bit of an extended timeline, but that COVID happened. We moved to Queensland. We got relocated with the storm. Um, that, oh, yeah, that was yeah. a crazy experience too. Like something so you were in that, the bubble with them. Yeah. In the bubble. Um, we finished that year. We won the comp and that was just an amazing experience. And then, um, post the, post the Byron Bender, I was, I was done. <laughs> yeah. Well, like. About, about that period, um, you, with some of the other boys, started businesses off the back yep. of some of your passions. Did that, and obviously you said you're, 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 you're someone that looks at the, the signs that the universe is giving you, you know, multiple ACLs, multiple shoulder reconstructions, the suspension, coming back, working so hard, then another one. Did, did having so many signs and then having like, you've always had the business thing kind of in the back of your mind, did that make the transition quite easy for you? Yes. Yeah, it did. And it's something that I'm passionate about. Again, I, I talk about, I have a newfound appreciation for the boys that retire from football, but I I know, I understand the system. I know the game. Like they leave with not much. They don't have any passions. They don't have a lot of education. And it's like, there's only a couple of jobs that they all fall into. There's a couple of unique ones that have a skill set or have invested really well. But outside of that, it's like, what are you going to do? So extremely grateful that I had an opportunity this, if you think about this, I've always, literally, I swear to God, I've always dreamed of the exact scenario I'm in now because I owned a gym, like an F45. I know group training. I know the platform. And now I write the program for what will soon be a global franchise. Yeah, yeah. I I get to go to every studio and meet these people. Like, think about it just this year alone. I've been to how many studios and opened? That's, that's 200 new people. Like where am I going to get the opportunity to have an impact on those people? Yeah, the social media and, and stuff like that. But like what am I going to do? Like run a conference, you know? Like I get to go in and it's a platform for me to have an impact and it's not about me. This is another reflection that, you know, I've shared recently um, in terms of the ego, understanding that it wasn't about me. I've always known it genuinely in my heart that, like my, I understand my skill set, my personality, my presence, the way I interact with people. The easiest way to think about it is back at school. You know, like when you're, that's your type of person you are in your friendship circle. If I could do one thing, I'd go back to school and like, I was a class clown. I wasn't a bully, but you know, I had a laugh at everyone's expense. I wouldn't let anyone pick on the, those kids. You know yeah. what I mean? I'd use my powers for the ultimate good. Yeah. Now it's like, it's not about me. It's about I understand my ability to uplift other people. Of course, as a byproduct, I'm going to have success. I'll probably have a great life, but my greatest asset is my ability to empower and build up other people. And now I've, look, what better platform could I have? It's fucking crazy. Are you aware of like the term ikigai? 
Yes. Yeah. You feel like you found yours with, with kind of what you're creating right now. Definitely. But like so, so detailed, it's like, it's almost ridiculous. But then you have to just, you obviously know it's meant to be, but I'm living out, I'm essentially living out two dreams. I feel like the first dream was selfishly about me. It was my own personal journey in sport. And, you know, yeah, it wasn't the fairy tale story, but I achieved my dream. And now this, this one in the second stage of my life, fuck, it's not about me. It's yeah. about everything that I've experienced. And I said this the other day, bro, like there's a mental health story that we really want to tell and we we need to tell about air locker training because it's it's a controlled stress. It's supposed to challenge you. It's supposed to be a little bit of uncomfortable. But I just think like reflecting everything that I'm doing now, I think I was supposed to go through all that shit because yeah. if I didn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to relate. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do what I did now. So although at the time it seems like, of course I'm playing footy, I want the fairy tale, I want the mad career, this and that, but sitting where I am now and my ability to A, lead and tell this story, but B, the way I can interact with people and relate, that was, it was, it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Because as well, like looking at the arts, for someone that doesn't know you, what you're like, you know, someone sees this tall guy, good looking, blue, blue eyes, tattoos, they might think, ah, oh, you know, it's a little bit scary to approach, but do you feel like your adversities, your challenges, even growing up the way you did, like a lot, a lot, growing up with less than a lot of people, do you feel like it's made you be able to connect with more people and bring the walls down a little bit and make you more approachable as a human? hundred percent. I've just, because I've experienced so many different things, you know what I mean? So whether it's ups, downs, different environments, like that increases your ability to relate with people. And the journey that I'm on now specifically it's not, I can only connect with so many people on gaining lean muscle or looking the way I do, but you know, 60 year old Jenny, me and you can connect on mental health. You got a story. I've got a story. You and how I mean? have you fused that? Cause I know, I know there's a, a, a conscious element of mindset involved with our locker training. How have you built that into the program and, and what sort of, you know, techniques do you guys use to make it more than just a session? Like I think it's, session. yes, of course. And the foundations are an awesome program and equipment pack that facilitates a great group training product. We have our mindset and breath work, which is guided meditation at the end of each workout, which is a great way to finish, but it's a great opportunity for the coaches to connect to the member. You could, but you know, during in the, in the lobby and reception before the class, starts, so I'm going to go up to you. What are you grateful for today? What are your intentions? Like it's not the most normal <laughs> conversation, but I can connect with you in that moment after a workout. But the key thing is, bro, I'll tell you this, and you'll like this because you appreciate marketing and business. The ice bath story, bro. People are paying $50 for an ice bath right now. They're, you've seen, I'm sure some of your mates have posted, oh, I'm doing an ice bath on Instagram. How wild is that? Where did that come from? About five years ago, no one was doing an ice bath. You know what I mean? This was only, if you played team sport, you did an ice bath, but this was not mainstream, right? So, but athletes are doing it, so it must be good. So there's that endorsement, there's credibility. Then the science starts to come out and the education around the health benefits, the benefits to your mental health, the benefits to recovery, gain a little bit of trust. Now we look at the trajectory. The Iceman comes along, Wim Hof, the Tim Ferrises, the Hubermans of the world. And it gets to the point where because of influence, Everyone wants to do it. And you go through that social framework, which is what we're all a part of, which is you want to be perceived to be doing something healthy. You want to do something that's challenging, overcome it, and someone say, hey, great job. You did that. You did You did well. You want to be a part of a tribe. You want to be a part of something. Now everyone is posting about ice baths. One thing we know about ice baths is when you go into the fucking ice bath, it's cold. And your initial reaction is to shiver, to shake, to panic, breathe. We are instructed, along with the internal health benefits, we're instructed to remain calm 
control our emotional composure and control our breath. Because we know that if we can do that in the face of uncomfortable, it's going to improve our ability to cope and deal with stress and adversity. What the fuck do you think happens when you come into air locker? When you come into air locker and you start training with reduced oxygen, your body is going to respond and you've got a choice to make because your body, our brain is there to protect us. Cool of cold water or in a reduced oxygen environment and it will respond and you're going to want to breathe and panic. Your adrenaline is going to shoot up. So you've got a choice to make to remain calm, control your breathing, control your emotional state Mm. and in turn better improve your ability to cope and deal with stress and adversity. We want to build resilience. The training program, the environment will A, build better habits and make you a good person. B, it will get you fitter, stronger and leaner. But C, the environment will improve your mental health and build resilience. So it's a mental test at the same time. It's a physical 100%. Test. But you're not sitting in a pool of cold water. You get this environment in parallel to now your gym, your training. So that's that's the beautiful thing about it. And that's the that's the story we've got to tell. And it's, it's, it's fucking very powerful. And coupled with... You be, we spoke about becoming a product of your environment. We want to build a culture there of like-minded people, supportive people who want to be better, who want to be around good people, who who are trying to get, get through life in a positive, optimistic way. Plus the community there, like we spoke about, we all want to be a part of something. You know, you're the you're a, they say you're a reflection of the five people that you spend the most time with. Well, I'll tell you what, my gym would want to be serving me and building me up as a person. But to go into your training and, again, put all of it aside because the conditioning, the strength, it's got all the the boxing, that's all well and good, health and fitness. It's going to have an impact. But to go into your environment and be challenged in a very similar way to an ice bath or a sauna or breath work, which we know has unbelievable benefits, this is what you're going to experience when you come into air locker. And by constantly making that choice 10, 15 times in a workout – this is going to have an effect on your day-to-day life and how you approach things, how you react to things, how you respond. And like you said, the, the because we're on a podcast, we've got as much time to speak as we, as we like. You explaining that mental test element of air locker was something that I didn't understand as well, but has made me be even more curious about it and want to do it even more. You, like you said, it's about educating people on those benefits mentally Maybe a little bit easier, I guess, probably the terminology and when you're educating yourself, it's a little bit tricky, but what are some of the physical benefits of altitude training that, that people get when they come in and do a session? So think about it like this. The other thing I love about, I was just thinking about the conversation we're having, a lot of the times, ice baths took a long time. That is essentially biohacking, right? That took a long time for it to become mainstream, but where where these things that we're talking about, I'm not talking to the biohackers, the people who are trying to optimize their health. I'm talking about general population. You know, I'm having the same conversation with the 60 year old Jennies trying to change their mindset and trying to change the way they attack life. But but think about it like this. This has been something that has been used scientifically back research by the best athletes in the world for years. Started in the 1968 Mexico city Olympics. They went over there at altitude all of the times were way off. It was like, what's going on here? You know, long distance runners were the worst ever times. So that sparked a wave of research. Since then, at both terrestrial in the mountains, your favorite athlete has used altitude training to get performance and health benefits. When you go into our environment, think about it like this. What kind of training do you like to do? Uh, I do Kung Fu martial arts. Beautiful. Very cool. 
You do Kung Fu at your normal gym and then you come in and do it at Airlocker with reduced oxygen, we can both admit it's probably going to be harder. True? For sure. 100%. Yeah. So when you come in, you got nothing to fear. You won't notice anything to your breathing. But as, start, as, as soon as you start to train, your body's going to have to work a little bit harder internally. Now, you're now asking it, we'll say on Kung Fu, you're now asking it to perform the kicks, the punches, all of these movements, but with less oxygen. Your body's going to have to respond. It can't just all of a sudden do the Kung Fu with less oxygen. It's going to have to figure out a way, a more efficient way to function and perform. And it's going to have to adapt. Through those adaptations, that's where you get the performance and health benefits. Whether that's lifting weights, whether that's on a ski erg or running on a treadmill, when performing with less oxygen, your body is going to have to respond and adapt and find a better way to function and perform. Now, what does that mean? That means all of the results we're chasing in particular for strength and conditioning into our health, everything is intensified. So if you look at fat loss, you're going to increase fat breakdown. You're going to burn up to 30% more calories. If you look at lean muscle, it's very simple. I'm doing a bicep curl here now, and the whole point of gaining muscle is to tear and repair muscle fibers by placing stress and load on the working muscle. If I'm doing a bicep curl and I restrict the oxygen to the muscle, I'm going to place it under more stress which is going to create a trigger of the things that are affecting lean muscle gain. So it's going to improve and increase protein synthesis. It's going to increase hypertrophy. Basically, whatever you do in altitude, you're going to get better results, but with less load, less intensity, and in less time. That's essentially the goal and the framework of what we're doing. Now, put all that aside. This isn't some wizardry or magic potion that we're selling with altitude. The environment does this. It has an effect on the body and the body must respond. And we are chasing adaptation. Remember that. But outside of that, bro, it's something that people love and enjoy, which gets them moving. Mm -hmm. We have an awesome equipment pack and a program, which is for everyone can be scaled to everyone and anyone can make someone tired, bro. We're trying to get results. The foundations of our program is strength and resistance, which we know is fundamental and important. We've got enough conditioning work to make sure you stay healthy and we've got an environment that will trigger and intensify all of the results attributed to your health and fitness. So what you're doing is you're going in, doing something you love in a very effective training program with an environment that not only was only accessible to high performance and athletes as of only a couple of years ago, but an environment that gets you better results to your mental and your physical health. hundred percent. And like you said, it's all those benefits are well and good and the science is there and, and it's awesome. But like you said, like to, to Jenny off the street, to people walking in, and this is more, I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps asking more of your marketing mind yes. you as a business person. All those things are well and good to me because I'm, I'm wearing my whoop. I'm really into the biohacking, yes. improving performance wherever I can. But for normal people off the street, what have you found is the main reason that they're actually signing up? The main reason is it's, it starts with curiosity. They're inquisitive. Now you go back to that. Uh, blueprint, the ice bath blueprint, there's a bit of trust and credibility because, well, athletes have done this, but that can work both ways. People, I used to hear this with F45. People look at airlock and go, oh, I can't do that. Athletes do that. No, no, no. Yeah, athletes use it. So you should use it too. We're not saying you're doing the same training, but the environment gets you better results, so you should use it too. One of the main things is uh, when they come in, it's like a key part of it. There's, you, you know, you've got your Gen Z, but we've also got this older crowd. It's a lot because of the program, because of the altitude and not needing the same load and intensity because there's two things at play. It's not just about the reps or the weight or the intensity. You're going to intensify your results with less load 
and less intensity, which means less wear and tear on the joints and tendons, prevention of injuries, and a program that can be scaled to anyone regardless of their ability or their experience level. So it really does open us up. And I think the misconception is that we are like a high-performance gym targeting the 20%. We're not that. We're taking an environment that is proven and works and applying it to a program that is scaled to everyone. Purely all you need to think about is I'm going into the studio with a reduced oxygen environment that is going to intensify my results from training. And if you just come and try the Airlocker training program, it's fucking fun. It's got all the training options people love and I know they're going to have a good time and I know they're going to get results. We're just using an environment that's going to intensify everything and give us the opportunity to not only reach our peak potential, but get the best possible results for their hard work. And that and that's the challenge you're faced with uh, in the early days is, is just that message communicating. 100%. Because from the outside looking, I think the same thing. Oh, it's for yeah. athletes looking yeah. to, you know, get that next 10% in performance to improve things. But it really is, is more simple than that. And with the way I see you work, with that mental battle you're, you're, you're fighting when you're, when you're doing a session, one thing that it seems like is, is a core to your life and, and it gets built by doing these sorts of sessions is discipline. Talk to me about your journey with discipline and, and do you have any tips? I know, again, we're none of us fucking experts claiming we know it all. Yeah. But have you done anything or do you have any advice to people that, looking for ways to improve discipline in their life because discipline, actually fucking quoting a title of the book, equals freedom. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, jogger, it does. Jogger, jogger. Like if you can become super disciplined, then you can go like you can go into autopilot essentially and achieve amazing results. Mm. And I mean, I, I would be perceived as super disciplined, but like there's levels to discipline as well. You know, I live a balanced life. I think at times there's a concept around the balance of extremes, which I love and extreme in anything Uh, It could be diet. It could be your training. It could be your mindset. Like you can't be someone, and we've all been guilty of this, but you can't be someone who squeezes the absolute lemon, works 16-hour days, that you can't do that for too long. But you also can't be a Zen monk who meditates for 12 hours of the day. You got to balance the extremes. So people too often go all one way or all the other way. You know what I mean? Like even the way I eat, I do, I do a carnivore-based diet. Now I do the meat and fruit, blah, blah, blah. Like that's good for a short time, but like you have to balance the extremes of everything in life. So it's a good concept to think about. Yeah. But when it comes back to discipline, you know, leaving footy, one thing I noticed was, and I think I had a bit of struggles early on with Air Locker, I was told where to be, what to do, and how to do it. But now you've got to figure out your own routine, your own structure. I think that that quote, fail to prepare, prepare to fail, preparation is the key uh, to discipline. Preparation and consistency, would I say. So preparation is I'm going to make sure that if I have a task or I have something that I want to achieve, I've broken that down into daily actions, weekly goals, and trying to form better habits around the way I work. Consistency applies to, again, a mindset. You cannot look at things like don't get, don't let great get in the way of good and don't try and chase perfection. You know what I mean? So consistency is key. Even going back to old Craig Bellamy he used to speak about, you know, your best and your worst game needs to be here. But consistency is the key, but it comes down to a mindset. How often do people start something and, you know, a week in they fuck it up. Oh, fuck, I'll, I'll start again or I'll start tomorrow. That's not, what, that's not what discipline needs to be. Discipline is generally that, going back to the 80-20 rule, making good decisions. Like say me and you are healthy, right? Bet you you're not on a diet. Bet you're not on this crazy periodized structured program. You eat pretty good most of the time. You train every other day. 
Like you're consistent. That's the healthy lifestyle. And it's funny, like go to all of the people who are on this journey, trying to be better at something, trying to improve their health. And they're all, what program do I need to do? What diet do I need to do? And then look at everyone giving them advice. None of them are on a diet. None of them are on a program. They eat pretty good all the time. They train pretty consistently. It's a lifestyle. It's habits that you've built. So I've just literally made that, just reflected on that in my head on the fly as yeah, you but said it's it. But not, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Everyone wants the, you know, the. And so is discipline. To, you know. Like challenges are great. I love, I will reflect on the fact challenges. Like I've done some recently on social media and fuck that sparked my mind. I was very curious. Well, oh, bro, right? the accountability. But what does that do? The challenges build habits, which then become part of my daily life. That's what I see a challenge as. It's a trigger to create new habits, which then form a part of your lifestyle. I think discipline should be the same approach. If we keep seeing discipline as I've got to do this, I've got to cut out this, I've got to like create this whole thing. Why can't it be about creating a structure and framework around what you want to achieve and then applying some consistency and then building better habits and then that forming a part of your lifestyle in all areas. Like we, if, if I'm considered disciplined, that it's through the lens of that. That's the definition of it because I'm not on any dogmatic, crazy thing that I'm committed to. It's just I make better choices than someone else more consistently. I so, love that. I love that way that you view that. And, and it comes down to, like you said, creating the habits one of the habits you you have mentioned, I want to ask a little bit deeper on. I know um, it's something that you use quite a lot, and we'll start we'll start to wrap up. But I have a couple last questions. One of them is on breath work. I know you're a big fan of Wim, Wim Hof, his methods. What's well, first of all, what's the impact that breath work has given to your life? And then, if you if you know any off the top of the head, and like a simple breath work routine that someone can practice and and the purpose it serves. Yeah, I think um, I'm lucky that I get a couple of experiences in my life. I do a cold shower every morning, and I train at Airlocker. So two times I'm actually forced to utilize my breath as a tool to control my emotional state. Because going in the shower every morning sucks and training at airlocker with reduced oxygen, the first thing I want to do is consume it. So I'm exposing myself to uncomfortable, challenging situations and I'm having to use my breath as a tool. So I'm kind of lucky in that respect. Well, actually, I'm not lucky. I force myself into those it's things. Yes. So those two things. But outside of that, I would say that combining a breathwork practice either daily or as a response to certain situations. And it's very simple. It's literally about just slowing down. At Airlocker during the workout, we're trying to control our breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth. With Wim Hof, it's a, uh, I suppose, a, a more of an aggressive inhale and then just let it go. Now, that one's amazing, but it is, it's spiking adrenaline in some respects. Um, I like the I like the box breathing technique, which is you know four in, four hold, four out. Um, I also like the three and six. So inhale for three, exhale for six. That's a very calming one. And um, you know the other one we've played around with is the double inhale, exhale, which again spikes a little bit of a response, but it's a great way to just flick anxiety and stress. Man, it's so fucking crazy, and I feel like probably I'm really into all these things that I can do to push myself to grow with business. But one thing I know I haven't really um, tried fully yet. And I feel like I'm, I'm right at that point where I'm going to dive in is breath work. It's quite profound, bro. So, yeah. Uh, the other day I did one, one that just got me going again and realized I did um, 
I did a podcast with some boys at Newcastle and after it, one of them, they're like deep into their breathwork practice and that we were talking, I said, I told them how I did DMT. Yep. They're like, oh, we've got this DMT breathwork, but they've never done DMT. And when they said it, I was like, it's not going to be like DMT. <laughs> so I was like, but I did it and yeah, okay, I didn't get the visuals, but far out. It was insane. It was like, I'd say five to 10 minutes of intense breathwork, like, like intense. And to the point, sometimes you're uncomfortable, you want to stop, your whole body's fucking tingling, you're doing all these things. But mate, it was insane, the feeling. Like if you consume any information about breathing, something that we do autonomously 24-7, but you understand how you can hack your body your mind, your health with it. It's pretty crazy, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Fuck. It's man. definitely something well, to lean into. Oxygen's our fuel, right? right it is. Like, and, it is. All of those things, like the oxygen's like, when people explain it like that, something that we do all the time and where no one focuses on it. Like I know it's becoming more common, but we never think about the way we breathe, how we can use it. You kind of do feel like an idiot. It's like, oh, like so I'm, they probably put more emphasis on this, like that hundreds of thousands of years ago before they were distracted with everything else. And part of our society, we've lost like the simple things, you mm. know what I mean? And realizing the benefits of that. Um, but one last thing we'll, we'll touch on before we, 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 we wrap up is I know you've, you're quite, Obviously, that it's we're not at the peak of the NFT and, and crypto yes. bubble anymore. But you've got you've had quite a, a a lot of experience as a buyer, as someone you know getting in there, looking at coins or projects or whatever that may be. And you've you, you've also built a project on that platform. Talk to me about what you got out of your you know your foray into the NFT and crypto world. Yeah, I think first and foremost it was like something that was becoming quite mainstream, and I was like, I don't want to miss out on this. And then, luckily, through our network. Um, got introduced for a few different people. And then I was introduced through Jacob, um, who Jacob Osborne, he works, he's got a tech company, but he also um, works under a company called Sports Moments. He's just recently launched the Entourage with Cam Munster as well. Um, But he explained to me the uh, concept of a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, And then to go through that um, and understand what that meant, which was essentially like, investing as a group, basically think about it like that. And then it was like, well, what are we going to do? Um, and then he was like, well, we could, we can't buy all of these things, but as a group, we could, you know, at the time, um, you know, board apes, yeah, the board apes, all these different things. So I was like, this is a cracker concept and it ties in the community and all the things I, I love. And it's not like creating some picture token and trying to flog it off for money. So it didn't really sit well with me. So to create this concept that combined community with um, the crypto space, it was just a no brainer. And we literally were like, let's do this. He's a doer too. Um, in two weeks, we launched the project in 11 minutes. It sold out. And it was just fucking crazy. Like it was, it was epic. Do you guys still <laughs> hold those assets? In, yeah, in we the, still hold the yeah. assets. Now, obviously the space has taken a monumental hit, but you know, there's going to, there will come a time where NFTs, remember, it's so unfortunate what happened because they became this art based token thing that basically was built on supply and demand and FOMO and marketing. And it really destroyed the whole space, but NFTs, the application of those in our life as we move forward into a more digital world, they're going to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's tokens. fucking That'll insane. Be part of the future, 100%. Sure. And crypto, look, now the banks are ex- ex- like mainstream accepting um, cryptocurrency, which who knows where that's going, but I think it's going to make a shift as well. So, but it was just a great experience. Like to say, just going back to, I wanted to do this, did it like crack a story. And it's just back to the student learning mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, there's, there's, 
endorphins that, that you give yourself when you're learning something new. Like yeah. I feel like naturally as human beings, we're curious people. We want to learn new things. To wrap that up, what do you think? It doesn't have to be Web3 related, either of these things, but what do you think in terms of your career? Like what's been one of the best investments and what's been one of the worst investments for you personally? Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the best and worst investments. Um, I don't know if I've had any bad investments. I've, I've spent a lot of money on stupid shit, <laughs> I'll tell you that. But um, I think the the best investment – the best investment would be a mix. Oh, I feel like everything I've done has has been so so good. I mean, vintage mode was great. Uh, to to go back to something we know, you know, um, a side hustle that take, took very little capital to get started that hinges on a lot of creativity, leverages you know network, and it's like if you pop can just find yeah well, pop yeah. culture, if you can just find a way to spark this, like that was sick. I love my time with that, and that that was really successful. Investment wise, definitely bloody airlocker. Yeah. But, um, you know, I suppose worst investments, <laughs> I'm trying to think, too many to think of. you got to have a bunch of shit NFTs that are just sitting there. Yeah, like, oh, bro. Right. Yeah, yeah, actually, when I first got into NFTs, I was buying anything and everything. Just <sighs> The like, FOMO will get you. But, exactly. But who the fuck, like uh, FOMO from what? I don't no, know what no, I thought no. I was missing out on. But you just seen people, you know what it was? It was the classic Instagram post of like, bought this for X, sold it for X. I was like, mad, that's going to be see, me. What, was it big, obviously like cards as well. When we got into the sports the cards, like right? same thing, bro. We bought so many cards because it was like at that time it was going off. You're like, this could be this, this could be that. And it was just, and we, wait, we got a truckload of cards. Yeah, yeah. That are worth right. fuck all. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you feel like, is it probably the storm because of the system and the culture that, that, that it's more – um, prominent there, but like, is there like a growing appetite for, for, for athletes to start leveraging their platform and their connections and build businesses and do side projects themselves? There definitely is. What I would say is, and I, I kind of had this vision of doing something like this. I was going to do like little dream media thing and just leverage off the network and profile of different people and basically hand deliver an e-commerce product, build it up, go rinse and repeat, you know, the formula. But, um, I think there is an opportunity, but the reality is what time do they have and can they commit? And it's just, it's a dream. It's Are a they, fantasy. Yeah. Cause I, like, I've got a mate who, um, is, has like an age works with like a lot of big athletes, Nathan Lyon is what, like a bunch of athletes. And like, I'm a big, I'm passionate about sport and business. Obviously I'm like, fuck, well, I'd love to do a business in sport one time. Mm. Again, I don't have the fucking time, but is there like roadblocks with like the NRL blocking yeah. it and doing certain things? You as essentially, tricky, right? think about it this way. And all that stuff that's going on is very interesting, but you essentially don't own your IP. That's fucked. That sucks. Like the contrast between us and American sports is wild. Now we've got no people here compared to America. You know, LA County is the size of Australia in terms of population, but still like what could, this is the way I think about it is the NRL control the marketing and the IP of players. How much more marketing, how much more could there be if the players could market themselves, build their own brand, like leverage off it, Like they're not doing anything with it. So it blows my mind. And those yeah. opportunities, that was where it would get interesting because they they could collaborate with brands. They could um, build their own personal brand. They can get involved in business ventures. Again, you're not gonna, it's not they're not gonna be operational, but they don't need to be. They've got a profile. And if they shared some interest and it was a creative outlet, fuck, what an amazing that would be so good. Is there anyone that you look up to from rugby league that inspires you? Doesn't have, could be on or off the pitch, like one person that comes to mind is obviously Denon. Yeah, he's been able to do off yeah. the back of like he's phenomenal. Way more well known for what he's done post footy than than yeah. his career. Phenomenal, and you know, once upon a time, 
I I was lucky. Like I, we pretty much started bloke yeah, in a bar. I like know, it's, I heard it was that so story. cool. And what he's it. done is insane. Like Crazy. I've got so much respect for everything he's done. He had a vision. His vision was he like similar. He wanted to end up with a product, but he wanted to create pretty much his own media outlet. Mm. So he was like, if I build up all this content, it'll be a platform for me to promote. And yeah. when he gets to all these views and then boom, he's got the beer and it's just constant product placement. And now it's, it's worth, like he's yeah. killing it. It's unbelievable. Well, one of the biggest podcasts in Australia. It's unbelievable. Like the, and the, the, biggest the beer is one. like, yeah. that's the, that's the thing. The podcast 100%. is good, but the product is where he's made, he's had so much of his success. I, you know, I spoke to someone the other day. Ice was um, very influential yep. on Ice everyone sure. in the football space. Mm-hmm. He just kind of did it and was vocal about it and did a lot of things that people were thinking about doing, but it's almost like he uh, created the platform to be like, you, you can do it and yep. normalized it. So that was cool. But I think the biggest one for me, and I've spoken about this recently because uh, it's relevant, but the biggest person who's had the impact that I've seen is like Billy Slater, like pro. It's just fucking insanity. Like if people knew who, who he was and how he operates, like if there's no there's no um, surprise that Queensland are doing what they're doing. Go and ask someone about what camp would be like now. Like he'd be running plays. He it's does more video than anyone. No, it's had, not. It's not fucking fair. They had the eight in a row. Now the whole the the spine of the eight in a row is the coaching staff for the Queensland team. It's bullshit. It's never gonna <laughs> like yeah. Just just observing him and a lot of people. You know, people from Sydney naturally will have a bias against the storm, all that. I've always had so much respect for them because I respect systems and success. And like, it just goes to show like what Billy's done with the last couple of years with, you know, this year was more even in terms of the squads, but definitely last year, a big underdog just goes to show it's up here that fucking really delivers the biggest change. Now for you, the next 12 months, I know you've got a lot going on with Airlocker in the US. What's an ideal next 12 months look like for you and your projects at the moment? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really starting to try and have a super niche focus where we are breaking out of that startup culture, which means that you wear many hats, um, which has been an unbelievable experience for myself in terms of my progression and learning. But I really want to, as a learning for myself, I really want to stay hyper-focused on where I'm contributing the most in the business, which is the performance, the program, the coaching education. There's a lot of work to do there um, to create not only a culture, but an internal education model where we can bring the standards up. And by the fitness industry is wild. Like there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of coaches. It is unregulated in some respects. Um, and once upon a time, you know, F45 started this space. Once upon a time, they had the cream of the crop, pick of the litter. Now there's a million different options. People, Those people, those really high level coaches own their own business. So all you can do is with what's available and the quality and what is actually out there in terms of coaches who are free, you have to invest in good people. Now, if you look at group training, you've got to have a certain energy. You've got to have a passion and a want to interact with people personally. And if you've got a good work ethic and you want to learn and you want to grow, I'm, I'm looking for those people because to teach you the basics of altitude and the understandings of how to coach and cue technique, that's easy. I just want good people around the brand and I want to invest in those people. And essentially I want to, I want them to experience what I get to experience. I say this all the time to the franchisees and coaches, like the platform, the feeling I get, I want you to feel that. So that's the journey that I'm on. So if, you know, building that up um, and continuing to grow this awesome business, kicking things off in America, like 
The journey's just Started. beginning, bro. So it's, where, it's where in Australia? Crazy. I know you said you're up to twenty something studios. Yep. Where in Australia are you guys? Like what cities? We're in every state, um, bar Adelaide. Adelaide will be this year. So we just opened in Perth in Balcatta. Um, we got a couple in Melbourne, um, couple yeah, c- couple in Sydney, mainly Western Sydney, and then across Gold okay. Coast and Brisbane. Where are they in Sydney? Where, where so we got Bondi Junction. Yep. Um, and then we've got Concord, Rouse Hill, Wetherill Park, Gledswood Hills, Narellan. Um, Penrith. So we've got a we've got a few out west, and they'll they'll start to pop up more and more. Queensland, Gold Coast is popping up. Corumbin opens this week. Yeah, and then um, yeah, they're up. just they're just popping. Up. Yeah, I'll go up at the yeah. end of the week. So they're just popping up everywhere. But yeah, it's awesome. And like you said, bro, we got a story to tell. Yeah. Um, now it's about just owning our identity and who we are, and um, breaking through some of those myths and misconceptions. But ultimately, creating something where people can feel supportive. It's inclusive. Mm-hmm. They can be a part of something. They can get amazing results, but hopefully we can have a genuine impact on their mindset, their mental and their physical health. And I think with the platform you're laying, you definitely give yourself the, a really good opportunity to do that. So yeah, it'd be appreciate that, great bro. to see not only the growth of the business, which obviously is interesting to me, but the growth of the people that give give you guys their time every morning or every yeah, afternoon. 100%. So that's exciting. Where's the best place for people to find you or, or, or Air Locker? Yeah, um, Air Locker Training on Instagram. Um, also our website, airlockertraining.com.au. We got, you can jump on there and find a local studio and my personal Instagram, Sandor underscore Earl. I'm uh yeah, that's that's where everything pretty much comes from. And I'm trying to stay as consistent as I can with the content yeah. and be as authentic and vulnerable as possible to hopefully empower other people. So um yeah, you can give me a follow and there's, see what everything see what's going there's on. There's a lot of really cool shit on there. Um for anyone interested in 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 any element of personal development, fitness training, mindset, heaps of good content you're sharing. So keep it coming. It's fucking looking good. It's leveled Thanks, up brother. recently as yeah. well. So keep <laughs> keep on keeping on doing your thing, brother. And I'll I'll be excited to watch you continue to grow. But Thanks for coming in, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Cheers. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favor, do me a favor, do your friends a favor and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.